It has been a minute. How about I move my mic, y'all? See, I ain't been live in a minute. Forgot I need to uh, make sure the mic is here in front of me. I hope y'all can hear me. Why am I mic looking janky right now? I don't even use the word janky. Let me know in the chat if y'all can hear me. Uh, um, This is such a topic that deserves and warrants uh, a real level of seriousness. And when I go through this, you'll understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. There are some things that I already knew about narcissism. There are things that you probably already know about narcissism. But there are some things I found out that I didn't know and that you may not know. And I think it's really going to help you uh, get a better understanding of what could be going on in your relationship with that family member, in that marriage, with that friend, with that coworker. Um, and then you have some choices and decisions to make if you want to save your life. Like your soul depends on it. And I'm going to prove that to you and show you that it's such a true statement. But before we do that, I'll be right back. Give me a minute. What if you don't recognize the danger you're in? Unresolved issues only fester into vows of destruction. Unexplained emotional decline. Nonstop strife. Mysterious sickness. What if they're all just symptoms and not the actual problem? You could be in relationship with a killer emotionally. So know the signs of such a perpetrator before it costs your very life. Beware of the narcissist. An eight-part series that might spare you from one of the most destructive types of relationships you could ever be in. All right, y'all, before we get started, as always, let me just say peace, true tribe. It's been a minute. I ain't going live in almost, I, ooh, I think it's been almost a month. I needed to take a break. I didn't even realize I needed a break as bad as I did. Um, if you are not already a part of the tribe, peace. My name is author, I'm author, counselor, and coach Zara Hairston, helping you remember that love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. I ain't said that in a while. Because love is wisdom and wisdom is so healing. We are not to be a fool for love. So if you want to make sure that you're up to date on the series because YouTube sometimes does not send you notifications, make sure that you look in the description 
of this video and you will find a link to telegram where you'll be, no you'll be notified about lives i try to send it at least within about 10 minutes before i go live i also want to say thank you to my patrons so much um a very special part of truth tribe who helped me make free content including this series that i'm bringing to you right now in addition to exercises resources and other videos like this live that you're watching I truly appreciate your support, patrons, and I'm sure those who benefit from your giving appreciate it too. If you're watching and that is true for you and you appreciate this series and the people that help support the content that you get to glean from for free, please show it by giving this video a like, sharing it with someone either on YouTube, your social media, email. I really think you could, I know I often say that it could be an answer to someone's petition, but I really think this series could actually save somebody's life because this is a very serious topic. And um, a lot of us think we know more about narcissism than we actually do. I've been working on this for months and months and months. This was, it was one request and it was a second request and it was a third request. And then it became multiple requests like, Zari, can you please do um, something on narcissism? And I thought that it would be one video. And as I started working on it, similar to my book, the novel it came to pass i was like this is this is too broad to do in one video and so i'm able to put it into eight parts and that still i don't think um covers everything so i won't be covering everything but i'll be covering the most critical parts to help you in your everyday life when it comes to romantic love family relationships and even on the job so before we get started, I'm going to say peace to, to a few of y'all because I have not been on here in a minute. Y'all ain't seen me in a minute. Peace, husband. We did a very transparent and candid talk over on Transparency, the podcast yesterday. Thank you for supporting me, husband. I appreciate it. Peace, choose y'all. We in here. Peace and light, family. Thank you, choose y'all. Peace, Shelly Murphy. Thank you for joining us. Uh... Choose y'all says, I'm listening from work. I've dealt with a narcissist, one of the most terrifying things. Thank y'all he took me out of that. Glad to know more of this. Praise y'all that, that he took you out of that. Um, peace Mentally Crafted. Peace Brenda Martinez. Thank you for joining us. Peace Latifa. Thank you for joining us. Peace Aunt Pause. Thank you for joining. Peace Rainy Powell. Thank you for joining. Peace, seashells. Thank you for joining. Miss you. I'm at work as well. Glad you are back. Recharged. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a lot more recharged. I need a little more time, but I, you know, it's enough. Um, can y'all let me know if you can hear me well in, in the mic? Because I don't know if I need to bring it up or not. Just let me know in the comment section before I really get started because it's such an important topic. I don't want to look back and hear that the audio was jacked up like sometime this software be liking to do. Um, so let me know if it's good and I'll say hi to a few more of you. Peace, Shay, Danielle. That's a new name. Welcome. If this is your first time commenting or in a live, peace, Paul Ray. I've seen that name. Peace, Kanisha Roberts. Hey girl. Uh, I hear you well. Okay. You good, sis. Okay. Awesome. All right. So. Before we get started, I want you to consider everything you think you know about narcissism and um, 
understand that while there's a psychological component, I have found and have always believed that it is really a spiritual issue. How many of y'all agree with that? How many of y'all think this is beyond a psychological issue, that this is a spiritual issue? I'm about to really go in and you, your mind might be like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. And I hope that in you seeing this, or to help you see the severity of being in relationship with someone who possesses this type of spirit. So Shelly Murphy says, agreed. And we about to get into it. We about to see exactly what I'm talking about. Kanisha, agreed. Thank you. All right, so let's get into it. So the first thing, first things first is why you need to know this. Like, what do you need to know this for? What is the point? Because you could be in a relationship of any kind. This is not just with romantic uh, partnership, with a killer emotionally. But they also can kill your soul physically, not just emotionally. And oftentimes, the emotional death can lead to a physical death. It can break your health down where you can die. And there is medical proof of that. Okay. We're focusing on the emotional because hopefully before you let them take you that far, um, this spirit that possesses a person take you that far, you can get out. We already saw earlier on someone said that y'all had delivered them from that. And we're so like thankful to y'all because it is, it really is a trap of confusion and um alternate reality and so i'm hoping that if someone doesn't know what they're in by the time we're done with this you're going to know and that y'all will give you the strength and the confidence to create some very strong boundaries or separate yourself altogether because it depends where they where they are on the spectrum on how you should go so you want to know the signs that we're going to talk about of such a perpetrator because again I don't want this to cost you your life. I have been in a relationship with five narcissists, predominantly family, some include romantic relationship, and it is so destructive, it can cost you your life. It can have you going to the hospital sick all the time, and they keep telling you you're fine, and they can't find the problem, and it's this spirit, okay? It can definitely cost your life. So one of the main things that um, you want to look for is trait and pattern. So there are four traits that a narcissist will exemplify. The first is they have little to no empathy. You'll find they may fake empathy. They may fake tears. They may fake sadness. They may fake apology, but it is never, it is hardly ever or never genuine. They cannot, they don't empathize well with other people. When somebody has a problem, they don't know how to just be there for them. They don't consider other people. They they lack uh, the ability to have consideration for other people. And that's very toxic to any kind of relationship. Second, they have a superiority complex. So you'll often find a lot of cult-type religions. Um, yeah, like some Hebrews, like some Christianity. So any religious group, if you think you're better than other people, that's called a superiority complex. Even if you are called and you're chosen and you're set apart, you, you're not to behave like you are superior. The Most High tells us in his word to make sure that we never think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Um, so that superiority complex is going to show up in someone who possesses this spirit of narcissism where they think they're better than others. And thank you so much, husband. And the reason why that leads to, uh, death 
is because, again, connected to the empathy issue, you can't consider another. And so if it comes down to you and them, they're always going to choose them because they believe they're superior to you. Preoccupation with fantasy. These are the four core traits. Now, they definitely have other traits, but I'm trying to simplify this as best as I can for everybody so that um, it doesn't like go over your head. So preoccupi preoccupation with fantasy is a third trait. Their head is always in the clouds. And I'm not talking about dreaming of doing great things that are healthy. I'm talking about like strong delusions, like the scripture talks about. There's this delusional thinking. Like, are you serious? That's, that's what we doing? Like you, I'm sorry, you said what? It's kind of like, I know this is old school, but there was a cartoon um, when I was, you know, a child called Pinky and the Brain. And he would say, what are we going to do tonight, uh, Pinky? Uh, whatever the other one's name was. And he would always say, try to take over the world. And he had these, and his head was, it was huge too. It was symbolic of how inflated his pride and his ego was. So they have these delusions, like I'm going to start this big thing. And you ain't able to manage your own home. I'm going to run this big company and you're not able to even help your wife take care of the children. I'm going to take over this whole, whole thing. And this really should be my quote unquote ministry or my camp or my whatever. And you don't even know how to manage your own heart on a daily basis. I'm going to have multiple wives and you don't even know how to manage a relationship with one woman. They have the, this preoccupation with fantasy. They think so grandiose that you almost have to like kind of pull them down out of the sky often. They'll be so stuck in the sky, the head just floating away. And then the fourth thing is an excessive need for validation. In a relationship with this kind of person, you will constantly feel weary of having to assure them, of having to make them okay. Always, you know, uh, if say they share something with you, some new project or something they did at work and you say, oh, that's nice. That's it. Like you don't, you don't support me. You, you know, it's like they want you to have this inflated reaction to every little thing they do. They got up and took the trash out and you're supposed to throw them a party. They, um, they, they, there's some basic everyday necessities that this person is supposed to do, but they want to reward every time they do something small and me and, and minimal. Forget about big, just small stuff that everybody has to do. They want you to throw a party for them. And if you don't respond in that way, they'll usually have a tantrum. They act like a child. So these are the four main traits that we're dealing with. And um, a narcissist um, embodies all four of these things at once which can make a person who's in relationship with them, whether it's romantic or family, whatever it is, very tired. It, it puts your nervous system into shock and fatigue because trying to keep up with a person who doesn't empathize with you, who doesn't consider you, who thinks they're better than you, who's preoccupied with fantasy, who has needs um, validation excessively, it is very draining. Now, this is different than someone who just has, this shows up sometimes. No, this is them all the time. This is them 95% of the time, okay? Unless they turn it off 
so that they can fool somebody or trick somebody or get some kind of opportunity. Then they might turn it off and, and may look and play a part, but it's not really sincere. All of us can do better at showing empathy. Sometimes we might not have empathy toward a situation because we're going through something personally and we're not as empathetic as we normally would be. All of us may sometimes think we're better than somebody else or we're better at a particular uh, function than somebody else can do it. And then y'all corrects you, you can, he convicts you and you fix that thing. All of us might have a preoccupation with family. I wonder if or would if, but then y'all reels us back in. All of us might want validation sometimes and be like, well, I wish people would notice or I, I wish people would recognize that, you know, but with a narcissist, they don't reel them. They don't ever reel themselves back in. There is no true repentance. Um, a person may have to say something to them for them to even know that they are beside themselves. It's not something that they will know innately within themselves. And if they do, it is not, um, it is not a response that they'll obey or that they'll listen to or that they'll use to um, promote personal self-change. So that's the difference. This is a disorder is what psychologically in the secular realm, they will call it. And a personality disorder is an emotional illness. Notice why I'm constantly talking about emotional health on this channel that makes it hard to understand reality. That's basically what a personality disorder is. It's someone who can't understand reality because their emotional unwellness prohibits that. And this is typically, in the majority of cases, what makes a person this way is a connection to abuse as a child. And it's not always a physical abuse. It can be a neglect. It can be overpraising, which is considered abuse. And it can be physical or sexual. But I want you to pay attention to the fact that this emotional illness that makes it hard for this person by the time they become an adult to understand and connect with reality, that is usually something that happened in childhood. I want you to, I want you to pay attention to this because I'm going to connect this later on and know that a person's childhood hardships are, are going to be what you're going to deal with in your relationship. Okay. So you want to look for necessary resolutions before you commit romantically friendship or, you know, rekindle some relationship with a family member if they haven't dealt with childhood trauma. Okay. Because an abuse as a child, which can be intergenerational, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, can make a person un emotionally unwell. Now this is the psychological term, but we're going to get into the spiritual because this is way beyond psychological. Okay. This is a spiritual issue first. Okay. So, Another thing that we want to know is that this is a recurrent behavior. This is not something with a narcissist, you know, uh, it's a disorder when the behavior is recurrent, they enjoy taking advantage of and manipulating others, despite it leading them into trouble over and over and over and over again, over a long period of time, they practice repetitively destructive behaviors. Okay. So this is not a hit and miss thing. You can't just call somebody a narcissist cause they did something seven months ago. And now, you know, it's seven months have passed and they did something similar again. That's different. This is a pattern over a long period of time. I think in today's society, people call people a narcissist very quickly because they have pride or they have ego. Narcissism is a disorder. 
It's called MPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder. It's a personality disorder from the secular terms. We're going to deal with the spiritual in a minute. It's not um, something we should say lightly just because somebody got a little pride. It's way beyond that. Okay. It's a person who has those traits we talked about. And with those traits, they enjoy it. They don't just do it. They enjoy taking advantage of people. They enjoy manipulating others. They enjoy doing it so much that even if they get in trouble over it, and by trouble, I don't mean some legal trouble or, um, hold on y'all. Let me plug this up real quick. By trouble, I don't mean like just some legal trouble. I mean, you're causing trouble to another human being. They're questioning themselves. You're giving them anxiety. They have depression. They're having on a verge of a nervous breakdown and you still continue on in your same ways. You don't think you have nothing wrong with you. That's taking advantage and manipulating a person despite it leading them into trouble. And they do this over a long period of time. They make a habit of it. They practice it. It is repetitively destructive. It's almost like that's all they know how to do is be destructive. It's just sounding like anybody to you yet. So there's a broad spectrum, which is why um, when someone asked me to do something on narcissism, I struggle because I'm like, how am going to fit this in one video? This topic is huge. So there are pe people that have narcissistic personality disorder um, and they stand at different places on, if you could give it a visual of this bar, it's a broad spectrum from mild to severe. Most professionals believe um, that if they're on the milder spectrum, there could be hope. Others believe that if they're on a milder uh, spectrum, there still ain't hope. Usually everybody agrees that on the far end, the high end of that spectrum, there is no hope. All hope is lost for you. And we'll talk about, you know, why. And uh, I personally believe and have experienced that if there is a milder version and there's a certain spiritual healing that takes place, that person can be delivered from what I believe is a spirit. But if they've reached a reprobate state, which I believe is the end of the spectrum. We know what the most high says about a reprobate state and we'll get into that. So this is the gap. Just as wide as the spectrum is for narcissism from mild to severe, that's as wide as the gap is for a person who has this disorder from a reality and grandiose, grandiosity. It's just a huge gap. Like they're very far away from reality. And this is what they're dealing with every day in their head, okay? So they will usually prefer fantasy over reality every time. They will usually prefer denial over taking ownership every time. They'll pretend that they took ownership. They'll pretend that they see the truth. But for the most part, they live in a fantasy world made up of denial and lastly, sexual imaginations over relational intimacy. So they will have this fantasy world and these sexual imaginations and they prefer that over connecting humanely and empathetically with the person. And that's, we're talking about the romantic side because this is not just romantic. This is any type of relationship, right? So it's important that you understand when you're dealing with this kind of person, you're not talking to someone who is, is living in reality, even though they're standing right in front of you inside of them, they live in a fantasy world and they stay there because that's where they feel safe. 
because something happened in childhood that put them there that makes them feel like if I go out of this and deal with the painful truth, that truth is going to kill me. They feel like the truth will kill them. Literally, this is a disorder that they call in a secular secular realm. But when we get into the spiritual, who does the most high say can't take the truth? Okay. I I hope y'all see it's the spirit. Okay. So if you take away their praise, their pride, their possessions, they won't know who they are. If you ask them, who are you without attention and praise? Who are you without somebody inflating your ego? Who are you without your money, your house, your car, your um, job, your the salary that you have, um, the type of clothes you wear, the watch you have, the sneakers you have? Who are you outside of those things? They will draw a blank. Their whole life, again, is based on fantasy. They don't know who they are outside of that. They've had to create this world in order, they believe, in order for them to exist. And they feel if they don't stay in that world, they will disappear. They're going to die. It's a matter of life and death for them. Okay? They are masters of disguise. They are a master of disguise. And it is sometimes very hard because they are so great at disguising who they really are, that you might not even recognize who you're dealing with. They have mastered a false image and putting that false image on and they have mastered deceit. They do it like second nature because it's first nature. And they get it from their father. And we're gonna talk about who their father is and we're gonna talk about who their mother is. You are of your father, the devil. We will talk about who their mother is. This is a connection that most people miss. And we're going to get into that. Okay. So they're master of disguise. And they do this because they feel like if the person figures out who they really are, then they'll lose the praise. They'll lose the things on this list that we just talked about. The praise, the ego and the play things, the material things. So I can't let you see who I really am. I can't let you see what where I really come from. I can't let you see the shame that I possess. I can't let you see who I really am at the core because it will probably make everybody leave me. And I need y'all around me to give me what I need because I, I live off of you praising me, feeding my ego and, 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 and propping me up over the things that I've done and accomplished. It's like knocking the wind out of their body if they don't have that, the, the very essence of their breath. So they, they have to keep this disguise and this false image on in order to live. They feel like it's a matter of survival. If I don't have this disguise on and this false image, I'm going to die. That's what they feel like. The spirit of this thing will die. They won't die, but they don't feel that way. That's why it's very hard when you're dealing with somebody like this, because this is a matter of life and death for them. They think because they don't live in reality. They don't understand. You can tell the truth about who you are. You can admit the things you're ashamed of. You can talk to somebody about that gruesome thing that happened to you and you will be okay and you will still be here. They don't think that's true. 
a lot of them feel like such, they have such deep shame um, and fear that uh, it doesn't allow them to face the truth because the truth is too, is so painful that it makes them feel like living in the false image is a truth that is uh, the more, the reality actually. And sometimes you can get so far into that. You can start to believe that the fantasy you live in is real. I don't know if y'all know some narcissists. Okay. But they act, you can tell them that this, this is Brown and they going to say, no, I see, um, neon pink. And you like, wait, huh? That's pink. Um, wait, hold on. This is brown. What are we talking about? That is neon pink. Wait, hold. You start second guessing yourself because they're that convinced of their fantasy. So you're you're dealing with something that is not well. Someone who's not well, even though they might look well, even though they might speak well, even though they might live well materialistically, they're not well in their mind and in their spirit. Anybody that would do this is not well. So because it's so hard to recognize them sometimes, these are some of the things that can help you wake up to what you may or may not be dealing with. Cause it could be something else. But oftentimes if you feel this with them, depressed, confused, stupid, belittled, anxious, not enough, usually dealing with a narcissist because this is how they have to make people feel in order for them to be superior. If they can't keep you in that place, then they can't be superior. And superiority, like the devil, is a matter of life and death. So they're not empathetic towards your depression. They're not empathetic towards your confusion. They're not empathetic that you say things that make them feel stupid. They're not empathetic that you belittle them. They're not empathetic that you have anxiety attacks. They're not empathetic that you compare them to everybody else. So now you feel like you're not enough because they have to keep you in that place in order for them to survive in their mind. Okay. Now, when you get away from them, all of a sudden you feel like a whole nother person. Now you feel relief. Now you certainly, you suddenly feel certain. Now you feel bright. Now you feel peaceful. Now you got some security and you got some confidence and you probably didn't even struggle with these issues especially when it comes to self-image before being in relationship with them. Now all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They live in an alternate reality. And when you yoke up with someone, you start adopting some of those same mentalities. So even though you are bright and peaceful and secure and confident and a person of relief, you suddenly are a person who's depressed and confused and stupid and anxious, can't breathe having, having uh, heart palpitations and panic attacks and all kind of stuff. It's because of this relationship, because it is a spirit that you are letting into your life that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So these people are very, very dangerous. Okay. So like I said, this is deeper than psychology It's spiritual. We talked about some of the psychological things, but I want us to look at some of the spiritual things, the spiritual nature of a narcissist know that there is um strong perversion first of all they are always usually i can't say always and usually huh they are more than likely dealing with some kind of sexual sin 
some kind of sexual issue. There's some, there are, there's already a self perversion with self idolization. There's a perversion in that. And we're going to get into that, but there's always usually some sexual issue with them. And when I talked about the father of a narcissist and the mother of a narcissist, I'm talking about spiritually. And when I show you this, you're going to be like, Oh snap. I never knew. I never knew. The other thing that you'll notice from a spiritual perspective, because see, we got the psychological uh, outline, but the spiritual nature is more important in, from my perspective and my understanding, because this is a spirit. It's a spiritual issue before it's a psychological. This, the spiritual issue happens first, then it comes out of the person from mind to the body to everything else. Okay. So they are often going to deal with the perversion. They may deal with masturbation. They may deal with pornography. They may deal with um, uh, having a sex addiction. S- p- sexual perversion and narcissism go hand in hand. And I'm going to explain to you why. Because the spirit is the same thing, right? Another thing that they also deal with is unrepentance. This is a spirit. This is a spiritual nature of a narcissist. They are unrepentant. They can say sorry with their lips, but never with their heart. Never with their heart. They will use sorry to manipulate you and know that ain't nothing in them sorry about what they did. They feel justified in, in every wrong. Because again, they live in an alternate reality. They don't even think they're doing anything wrong. So how can you be sorry if you're never wrong? So there's unrepentance is the second thing when it comes to the spiritual nature of a narcissist. The third thing is reprobation. That is what, if, if this perversion is left unchecked and unhealed, if the unrepentance is left unchecked and unhealed, they're going to reprobation. And when you get to reprobation, this is when in the psychological realm, they say narcissists can't be helped. Really what they're saying is they're reprobate. See, this is spiritual before psychological, you know, the psychological world picked it up. This is Yah's territory. People take these things, they give them names, but they're spirits, but they name them some psychological term. And then they, they act like they, they made it up. No, Yah is aware of this. He was there when it happened. He knows what's going on. This, so when people tell you, oh, psychology is the devil and da, 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 da. We got to be careful when we say things like that because a lot, when I went to school for counseling, I had a great, uh, one of my professors was really, really good. And she was like, um, people talk about Freud a lot, but the father of psychology is the most high. And I just love that. So Freud is not the father of psychology. Any secular source you know is not the father of psychology. If the, if the high counselor is Yeshua through the most high, then he's also the high quote unquote psychologist. So anything you need to know about these psychological terms, find it in the spirit. Okay. And that's what I did in this series so that you can understand this is beyond psychological. This is spiritual. So we got the sexual perversion. We got the unrepentance when that's left unchecked and unhealed. Cause see a lot of people believe a narcissist can't be healed and they'll never change. I know personally, depending on where they are on the spectrum. And if the perversion and the unrepentance is dealt with, they will be 
spared from a reprobate state. I know personally I've dealt with it. If the perversion is not reversed and healed, if the unrepentance is not reversed and healed and the intergenerational trauma that we're going to get into is not healed. Yes. You're dealing with somebody who will never change and you better run. Give them some time, set some strong boundaries and you better be serious about it. But if this perversion and this unrepentance remains, you better run because they're going to take you to hell right with them. So let's compare the psychological and the spiritual. So like I said, a lot of people believe that um, narcissism mainly stems from Sigmund Freud because around 1914, he published some things and you heard the term narcissism in there. And then everybody ran with that. Most people ran, I can't say everybody, but most people ran with narcissism uh, is a term that's coined from Sigmund Freud. And you see here that he's in the middle of the line the timeline here. He was not actually the first. And I'm going to show you even before these people, the spiritual side, it was already there. Okay. So, uh, Sigmund Freud credits taking the concept of narcissism from a Greek mythology called the myth of narcissus, where he has this fatal attraction to his own self. So fatal. There's, there's a death that occurs, uh, they said attraction to himself. This look at this. This attraction was what self idolization, and two, sexual perversion. You're attracted to your own self a little too deep. So that's where most people get the term from, the Greek mythology. Um, but I also found this is something that blew my whole freaking mind apart when I was doing research and study for this. So Narcissus was fathered by a river god. Okay. And this is where modern psychology gets narcissism from and the study of it and helping, uh, people make sense of it. Um, in these psychological terms, they're the roots. Uh, most of the roots is, is founded in the myth of narcissists. When you study the story of the myth of narcissists, you will find that his father was a river God. Most people don't know or no notice or take note to the mother. The mother of narcissists was a, what they call a nymph. What is nymph short for y'all? Nymphomaniac, right? So this narcissist character is from a river God. And we know about marine spirits, right? What are marine spirits? They say marine spirits have a lot to do with sexual issues, right? So this narcissist dude from Greek mythology that narcissism is based on from most of the secular psychologists and sexologists and crypt, we about to get into it, has a father who was a river god, which is a marine spirit, and a mother who was a nymph, which is short for nymphomaniac. Listen to this. Someone with an uncontrollable or excessive sexual desire so when I tell you that a narcissist is, listen, 99.5% of the time going to have an issue with perversion, this is why. This is a spirit that is birthed out of perversion, first of self-idolization, and then of sexual perversion every time. Gather up any narcissist you know and ask them about their sex issues. They got them. They're very perverted. They might hide it. They might not even tell you, but I'm telling you they're very perverted. 
How can you not be perverted when you live in a fantasy land? Right? So when it comes to real true life, everyday relationships, you're going to struggle with that with them because they just, they want fantasy. Like what? Pornography. Right? So beyond that, so people think it's Freud, but at the bottom of this line here, you see the myth of narcissists, which is a story of echo and narcissists from AD eight father by a river God and a mother who was a nymph. A lot of men who have narcissistic issues come from mothers who, who nymphomaniacs. I'm going to break that down to you in a minute. And they don't destroy their sons. It's a spirit and a generational trauma that is left unhealed gets passed down to the children. This is a spirit, sexual perversion, self-idolization. You connect the two, boom, you got a narcissist. Those two have sex, they spit out a narcissist. Okay? So I'm going, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to break this down in a minute. So everybody thought it was Freud. No, before Freud, at the bottom of the psychological timeline, you see it was the myth of narcissist. And then, um, so let's, let's start at the top, actually. Because people thought it was Freud. Freud got it from the myth of narcissist. And then this guy named Havelock Ellis, who was a sexologist. That's what I want y'all to pay attention to that. Because beyond that, researchers know a sexologist first using the term narcissism even before Freud did. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? A sexo- Why is a sexologist learning about the term uh, narcissism? Because self-idolization and sexual perversion, which are both forms of perversion, are deeply connected. That's why. That's what this spirit is. And it's so deceitful, you might not see the connection if you're not paying attention. So it is said, though, that um, Freud and Havelock Ellis actually borrowed the term from Paul Nake. Paul Nake was known for writing on what? Homosexuality. And then he's the one who actually coined the term. And they say it's like around 1899. And he described it as a form of behavior, narcissism that is, resembling a perversion where an individual treated their own body as the body of a sexual partner. This is the root psychologically of where the term comes from, a sexual nature. Over time, it's become these other things like pride and ego and fantasy. But if you go way back, if you go way back, you got a uh, Paul Nake, a psychiatrist and a criminologist who wrote papers on homosexuality. What a mix, right? Who first coins the term. What some most believe he's the first person who actually coined the term if you do the research. And out of his study on homosexuality, he coins this term because these people are so perverted. They fall in love with their own bodies as their own sexual partner. Similar to the myth of narcissist who dies over a fatal attraction with himself. So when I tell you beware because it can kill you, that's the spirit we're dealing with. It kills. It's fatal. It's set up that way. Okay? So... We know about um, narcissists, which is the at the bottom of the psychological side, and then Freud borrowed from him, and then from there we go on up, okay? But let's look at the spiritual side now, because this is spiritual. See, this psychological side is basically imitating a spiritual issue. They're, they're talking about Greek mythology, but who they really talking about? Who the father that they really talking about is the devil, 
This him. You see it? You see him on the psychological side? They're really telling you the story of the devil. And the mother, who is a spirit nymphomaniac. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get into that. But really quick, I want you to, I want you to I want you to notate something. So most experts will tell you that there's no known cause for narcissism. They're gonna be, we don't know. But if we did know, it was probably something genetic. No, it's spiritual. That's the cause. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual issue, right? But most uh, professionals will say, we don't know the cause for it. If you look it up, they'll say, you know, we don't, we don't know the cause for it. Many other believe that it begins in childhood. And they say it either happened because a parent is giving them too much criticism or too much praise. And so the child ends up becoming a narcissist, right? Or on the other hand, other hand, the child has suffered some kind of emotional trauma that was so unbearable, a, a shame or a deep loss or a pattern of neglect that was so unbearable that they became a narcissist. These are all true on the physical side of life. But how many of us understand that everything is spiritual first. Everything is spiritual before it is physical. So when you talk about these physical things showing up, what happened on the spiritual side? Narcissists sound a lot like the devil. His mother, I'm gonna talk about that, was a nymphomaniac. Pay attention to that allegory right there. So from a psychological perspective, they're saying the likelihood of developing narcissism is linked to childhood events. And it is, that's true, but it's deeper than that. And dysfunctional parenting, basically at the root, is creating this disorder, this personality disorder. And why? It is a type of defense mechanism against what? Shame. But I want you to think about the devil. I want you to think about him um, causing rebellion and ruckus in heaven over what? Wanting to be worshipped. Because he couldn't be worshipped, he becomes a pervert. And out of becoming a pervert, he causes all kind of division. Ain't that what a narcissist do? They want to be worshipped. They become perverts out of that. And they cause division amongst everybody around them in order to gain it. This is a spirit. Okay? So, yes, parental neglect is definitely, um, from the physical side, most likely responsible for MPD or narcissistic personality disorder. And that neglect does not have to be just the obvious physical abandonment. Like people think, oh, you left me. No, a parent can be right in the house and be neglecting their child. How? Either they're ill and they can't take care of their child properly, mentally ill, emotionally ill, um, or physically ill. And so they don't know how to properly take care of their child. That's neglect. That child is going to experience neglect. You ain't in your right mind. You ain't in your right heart. Or you ain't physically in your right body, but you're busting out kids and trying to take care of them. That child going to grow up with a problem. So, yes, from the physical side, parental neglect is a huge issue. Um, and what some call a disability to the child or the parent. So, yes, certain lack of attention and catering to a child's emotional needs is abusive. When you don't teach a child how to manage their emotional wellness, that's abusive. Because they're going to grow up unable to be empathetic. And what is the, one of the main traits of a narcissist? They don't have the capacity to empathize with people. So that's why it's abusive. Who else is empathetic? Who the father of, of uh, lack of empathy? The devil is a spirit, okay? So what happens is oftentimes 
uh, yes, this parent or parents are causing this issue when the child, um, maybe the parents are manipulative and they're teaching the child to be manipulative. They're teaching the child to lie. There, there, there is a world of duality where this child is, is, you know, we go to church on Sunday, but then we act like the devil every other day. Now that's a lot of confusion, right? For a child. If this is a pattern, this child is going to grow up confused, right? They don't know real from, from fake, right from wrong. That's abusive to the nature of a being. Because now they can't have, they don't have empathy, don't know where to get it from. But they got manipulation, but they got guilt, but they got shame based off of that neglect. So that's another form of neglecting the emotional needs of a child. Or if a a parent themselves have um, MPD. If the parent themselves have MPD, they usually pass it to their child because they're teaching them these natures, this nature and the, the ways of that nature. Um... If they ignore the signs of weakness in a child or they make them feel bad for having weaknesses, like you crying over that, you know, you're, 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 you're slowly creating a narcissist. That's the physical side though. To, to me, from what I done study is spiritual though, because there are some children who have experienced that and they're not narcissists, but this is, okay, we're going to get into it. All right. So let's go back and look at this real quick. So let's look at the spiritual. So first we talked about, it starts off as self-worship. Remember I said that? It's, it's, it's self-worship. So the first perversion is self-worship that they narcissists are often dealing with. They're worshiping themselves, self-idolization. Excuse me. Or they want the worship of others as if they are a God. Very much like the devil. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's quote the devil. Okay. I will ascend above the height. I will make you sorry, bro. You not. Yeah. This is how narcissists think. They're going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. Fantasy world. Grandiosity. Delusion. I will make myself like the most high worship. Self idolization. What scripture is that connected to this perversion of self idolization that then creates a sexual perversion? First Corinthians six, nine says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of Yahuwah? Do not be deceived. That's why I said, beware. I don't want you to be deceived out here no more. Neither the sexually immoral and what's right after that, nor idolaters. Do you see how close sexual immorality is connected to idolatry? When you look at celebrity lifestyle, American idols. Aren't they perverted? Don't they got some sexual pervert porn tape all sexual perversion and wanting to be idolized go hand in hand. Go hand in hand. So again, this it starts off with a delusion of self-worship. Then it graduates and produces the enemy produces replicas by the spirit. What do I mean by that? In John 8, 4, 4, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and it is your will to what? Practice the desires. These are not healthy desires. They are perverted desires, which are characteristic of who? Your father. They said it was narcissists. 
from this Greek mythology, who is the father of this narcissist reminds me a lot of the devil practicing desires and characteristics. He was a murderer from the beginning. What did I say in the beginning? You could be in relationship with a what? A killer emotionally. Why? Because he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Now, listen, he knows the truth. He knows the truth. He gave the truth to Yeshua, the devil that is. Hashatan, whatever you want to call him. You know what I'm talking about. He, he knows the truth, but they use the truth to deceive. So it's not about somebody knowing the truth. It's not about them quoting scriptures. It's not about them even praying before men. It's not about them, um, you know, knowing exactly where in the Bible to go for this specific line. The devil knows that. Can you repent? The devil can. Can you tell the truth? The devil can. Can you stop being perverted? The devil can. Three markers of a narcissist. So bump all of that that they tell you about knowing the truth. Bump all of that. Let all of that go out the window that they done told you they know about the scripture. If they can't repent, if they can't deal with a sexual perversion, they're going to be ending up in a reprobate state. And you better be careful because they're going to take you right with them. It's not a game, y'all. It can kill you. It can kill you. So when you have this self-worship like we that we see in Isaiah 14, 14, wanting to ascend above into a place that you don't belong in your mind, it produces replicas by the spirit. There's characteristics and traits that show up in this kind of person because they, they are a replica of the father of the spirit. So what happens? They start acting like this. Second Timothy three fifteen, do not be naive. Do not be naive. Do not be naive. That's why I'm telling you, beware, beware. Don't be naive. You got to stop being fooled by knowledge. You got to stop being fooled by people that, that think they know something. The devil is highly intellectual, highly, but can't repent. The true nature of a believer is no matter how much you know, you still know you don't know more than y'all. Okay? A narcissist and they mind, they think they know more than even y'all sometimes. They, they think they know better. That's why they do what they want because they think they know better. So they end up acting like this, which is graduation into unrepentance, the perversion of self-idolization, um, wanting this worship turned into un an unrepentance, right? And then they start acting like 2 Timothy 3.15. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money hungry, self-promoting, stuck up, profane. This is what they do. Contemptuous of parents. And I'm not talking about healthy parents. I'm not talking about healthy parents. Because when you find out that your parent is a narcissist after you see this and you confront them about their wickedness and they sin, don't do that unless the Most High tells you to. That's You're supposed to expose wicked. I'm talking about you contemptuous of righteous parents. Your, your parent trying to give you righteousness and you reject the truth. You don't want to hear it. That's what this is, okay? So money hungry, self-promoting, stuck up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog eat dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated, windbags, addicted to lust, 
sexual perversion and allergic to the most high y'all. This is the message version. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they are animals. Stay clear of these people. There's second Timothy three fifteen is telling us stay clear of these people. The most high wants worship. Narcissists live to be adored and idolized and worshiped. Okay. Stay clear. That means beware of these people. Why do you need to beware? Let's consider, let's look at this. So, um, the first time, one of the first times we see the word beware is in Genesis 24, six, the Hebrew version is, is the word is H eight one Oh four. Semar, Shamar. Okay. Genesis 24, six is the verse, you know, where I found the word, but the word beware is rep is representative of this. It means to keep watch, look out. Like the second Timothy said, don't be deceived. You better keep your eyes open. It means to protect, protect yourself. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm gonna love them. No, this kind of person, you can't love them into, um, truth the way you may have been taught in religion. Okay. That that's not the kind of love that you can give them. You dealing with the spirit of the devil. You can't love him like that. You got to love him with a different kind of truth than you've been taught. You got to protect yourself first. Keep watch and protect you first because they'll kill you. That's why you got to protect yourself. It also means to save life. In other words, save your life. So when I tell you, you could be in a relationship with a killer emotionally, they can kill you. This word right here is saying, save your life. Why? Because they will kill you. It also means to hedge about as with thorns, set it up, guard yourself, get your support system, get your friends that got your back. That's full of the spirit to help you get away from a person like this who is at or near reprobate state or if they, or unrepentance, even, you know, they're they're the top part of the spectrum. The point is get away from them. You need to set up clear boundaries between you and them. It also can mean to save yourself. You cannot be so concerned with the narcissist in saving the narcissist more than you are saving yourself. You will kill yourself trying to do it. I know because I tried. And beyond that, I know because the scripture tells you so. Again, this is the psychological side. This is the spiritual side. The psychological side is imitating the spiritual situation that happened. This spirit puts itself into people that either by generational line genetics or gives themselves over to this type of spirit because they're not full of the spirit. And then you have a narcissist. Okay. If this is not taken care of very early on and you don't set some clear boundaries and you don't deal with this, they reach a reprobate state. And Matthew 10, 34 through 37 says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Save yourself, protect yourself, save your life. Cause y'all didn't come here to make peace with the devil and a person who has given themselves over to that spirit is not here for the life of you. They are here for the death of you. 
I have not come to bring peace, but a sword for I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. When I first read that a long time ago, I said daughter-in-law and mother-in-law don't seem to fit. That just seemed like that came out of nowhere. I did this study on narcissism and I found exactly why. And I'm going to tell you the mother spirit of narcissists, which is a nymphomaniac is so closely connected to what happens to the son of a person with that spirit. He usually somehow ends up with a righteous woman and the mother hates her. This is about belief and unbelief. This ain't about like and dislike. This is a battle against spirit in these lines. Uh, man against father. Battle with a spiritual condition of people. Daughter against mother. Spiritual condition of people. And then they threw daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And I couldn't understand it. This is a foreshadowing of today. Second Timothy talked about the last days, right? It's going to be full of people like this. Do you know the current percentage of narcissists are black men? 75% who come from who? Mothers with a certain type of parenting style. Listen, if you got a righteous wife time to tell you the truth about your mother, as a man, are you listening to this? She could be saving your life from the pit of hell. She could be saving your life. I'm telling you, don't play with these spirits. Cause they're not here to play. And if a person is letting themselves be occupied by this spirit and you got a righteous woman, mother, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law says here, trying to save you with the spirit of the most high, you better listen. And the person's enemies will be those of his own household, a narcissistic family dynamic. I'm going to tell you when you start seeing who the narcissist is in the family, everybody in your family going to hate you. The enemy does not want nobody to find out who he really is. So when you figure out who they are, your family going to hate you. It says, and a person's enemies will be the house of the enemies of his own household. Bump an enemy outside of the house is right in your house. Cause you done spotted the narcissist who done came through certain nymphomaniac marine demonic spirits. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If you are not, if you are not willing to let your narcissistic mother or father or son or daughter go. And we talking about adult children. Okay. Cause when it's, when it, when it's a child, they don't necessarily have the personality disorder. They may be in the makings of it, but it, it's not happening until they're an adult. So there, there is a window where you have to, to try to get that thing out of your family line. Right. So I'm not talking about, um, children that are not of age, but if you are a parent who has a child who is of age with this spirit and you set up boundaries and you, you've done the things that we're going to talk about in here and they're, they're like reprobate. If you love them more than you love Yah and the truth of Yah, if, if your mother and your father is more worthy to you than Yah and they possess this spirit, you're not worthy of Yah. You're not. 
You have to choose. You have to choose. Or else what happens? Romans 1, 28 through 29. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge the most high Yah, he gave them up to a debased mind. That's what Yah's going to do in, in this hour with people that won't choose him over their mother, over their father, over whoever that possesses this spirit. He's going to give you over to a debased mind. Go ahead, have it. And that's going to kill you. And do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder. Death is coming for a person who can't choose y'all over this. Strife. A narcissist creates the most strife I've ever seen in my life to save their reputation. They will try to get everybody against you to hold on to their false reality. Deceit, maliciousness, they are gossip spreading rumors. A mother will talk about her own child to her other children to save her reputation. A father will talk about his own child to save his reputation. Let me tell you something. There was a situation, and I did a vlogmentary about this, where I went to New Jersey to help my grandmother. And I'm thinking I'm actually going to help her. And you see, when I threw the shower for Loretta, a lot of people couldn't understand it. I love to do loving things for people, right? So people were just like, why is she up here to help her grandmother when she did her so bad? I thought she did her bad. I thought she did it. Now you're here to help her? Yeah, I felt terrible. I'm like, we, I thought we were supposed to take care of people in their old age. Nobody's taking care of her. I'm going to do it. Yes, she's done me wrong. She's, she's done me right in a lot of cases, but yes, she has done me wrong. There, there's a lot of things that she done that was just demonic. But I, I, I wouldn't do this again, probably. If I could go back, I probably wouldn't do it. But I was in a different mindset. Went, took care of her. My father, this is how a father can lie on his children to save his reputation. So my father, people were saying I must be there to take her house. I've lived in some of the most beautiful houses. Don't need to take your house. Actually, don't want your house. Need to be fixed up. There's a lot of stuff that need to be done to it. Don't need to do that. Never even said I wanted my grandmother's house. My father says, you're going to be able to take her house if she passes. I want to give it to you. I'm like, I'm not here for that. Like, it's, I don't even, you know, I don't even know why you bring that up. I'm not here to take care of her so I can get her house. But see, this is how people think who have this um, narcissistic nature because they would never do anything beyond themselves that it always has to be for somebody else. They don't think you can. How could you just be genuinely wanting to help somebody? Cause I would never do that. They don't know what that's like cause they don't possess that kind of spirit. So it seems suspicious to everybody that I would actually come and move my family to actually help and not want nothing in return. Yeah. So what did my father do? He lied and said I was stealing her money and that I was there to steal her house. That's what he told everybody. And no, you know what? Everybody believed him because they're all of the same spirit. Lied and said I wanted to take her house so that he could fulfill some demonic strategy that he had in mind for his own self, self-serving purposes. A mother will lie on their own child to make themselves look better. That's a narcissistic spirit. A father will lie on his own, ch own child 
to save and rescue his own reputation for his own selfish purposes. A friend will do this to you. A child will do this to you. A family member will do this to you. If they possess the spirit, you better be careful. These people not playing. So when it says at the end, they spread rumors. These rumors are meant to create death in your life. They are trying to take you out to save their own self. Don't play with people like this. This is not a game. So these are some, some, um, hold on. Let's see real quick. What slide is this? Oh, I skipped past some slides. So we talked about this one. Okay. Oh, this is what I wanted to show you. So you see this where it says spreading rumors. They are gossip. They are spread rumors. Normally what happens in a narcissistic family dynamic is are these terms that I have circled right here. You become the scapegoat. You got to deal with flying monkeys. You've got to deal with a smear campaign, triangulation, even CPTSD, y'all. You might've heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. These are all the things you start to deal with once you spot the narcissist. They, they got it in for you. They got it in for you. Um, I think I'm printing out the wrong, the wrong notes to this. So yeah, that's the spiritual side and that's the psychological side. Could it be that psychological narcissism then is really just spiritual perversion that releases intergenerational trauma? That's what I want you to think about. We like people like just saying that term thinking it's cute. It's not cute. It's this, this is the devil's strategy to take a whole family out. Cause it starts in, with families and usually the mother with her son. Okay. This is the roots that it's in. It's, it's definitely with the mother doing this with daughters too. Um, but it's, it's that son. You think about the spirit, the, uh, the story of Yeshua and this, this about, it's about a son, right? What does the devil or Hashatan want to do? He wants to imitate Yah. He wants to be so much like Yah. He has to imitate. So it's usually about a son. The daughters get it too. The daughters got it in the story, in the story of Yahshua too. But it starts with a son and it's the mother doing it because that's the perversion. You have the father and over here is the mother. Okay. So what if this is just a spiritual perversion that releases intergenerational trauma? Let's talk about, um, first of all, the fact that most people that deal with narcissism as adults dealt with some kind of sexual abuse that lent them to the narcissistic personality disorder. Whether they uh, watch porn, whether they were molested, uh, whether they were raped, it can often create a narcissistic personality when they get older. Get older. But let's talk about inter intergenerational trauma so you can understand my statement right here. So let's consider a few things. So we know that Hashatan or the devil is the father of perversion, right? So that's showing us there's a spirit at work. Perversion is not a term. It's a spirit. And you go way back, if you study psychology like years and years and years and years and years, I'm talking about you go way back. The psychological terms today were actually referred to as spirits. In today's times, they give them terms. But back then they knew they were spirits. So when you see this at work, I want you to, when you see perversion, I want you to know that's not a word. That's not a term. That's not a thing. That's a spirit. From who? The devil. So we know that he's the father of perversion. So that means there's a spirit at work. Listen to what they once called this spirit, a morning star. 
If a person is the star of attention, the person is the celebrity, the person gets spotlight on them all the time, not all the time, but if they have any kind of, uh, any resemblance of fame, this is why I be telling y'all don't worship my husband. You, you don't know. He don't start. No, 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 no. We don't do that over here. We don't invite that spirit over here. This is why I'm that serious about it. Cause y'all don't know the, the levels of this that I know a lot of y'all that ain't that serious. No, it's serious. Fame is not a system that the most high constructed. It is a system that this spirit we're talking about constructed to fulfill its need to survive by worship, by praise perverted though. So he was this morning star who calls what divine rebellion. This is a rebellious spirit. They will denounce your boundaries. You keep trying to set boundaries with people. You just like, you can't never set it. That's why you got to let cut them off. Cause they don't respect boundaries. They may act like they do. They might do it halfway, but halfway ain't whole. It's a rebellious perverted spirit. And if they're getting to a reprobate state or they're so unrepentant that it is causing you demise, you need to cut them off and run. Now, if they're not quite there yet, there are some other things that you can do and we'll get into it in the series. But if they, if they listen, okay, what else about this spirit was what the most beautiful and stunning angel. So it was narcissist. He fell in love with his appearance and killed himself over it. Most beautiful and stunning. Oftentimes they're handsome. They're charming. They are, um, they're very likable people on the outside. If you don't know the disgusting spirit at work within them, you like them. They're, they're very appealing. You like, wow. That's why you got to discern. That's why I said, do not be deceived because their appearance will fool you. They help, they'll help people, but they don't, it's not genuine. They're doing it to supply their need to get praise and worship. It's not from a genuine place. Um, they might cry when you find them doing something wrong, but they're crying. It's a show. It's an act. They don't really mean it. They're doing it to get you to get over whatever you might take from them that they feel that they need to survive. Uh, they're actors. They put on a great show, but they're some of the most disgusting people at heart. So that's why the word says, don't be deceived because you're not going to be able to see it with the natural eye. You have to see this with the spiritual eye. It's a spirit. It's not just a psychological thing. So the spirit at work behind trauma that we just talked about has to do with this statement. It's intergenerational when it gets passed down genetically is what they say, but I say spiritually. So Hashatan or the devil has spawns who imitate the behaviors we talked about in second Timothy. And if you look at narcissists, he has a nymphomaniac, what mother. So oftentimes mothers, you better ask your mother, ask your mother what she was into. What she was out there doing. Because it got something to do with the struggles that you're dealing with today, men. Women too, but mostly men. Because this spirit, is it wants to attack the man first because the man is the head of the family. If I can get the man out, I can destroy the whole family. So intergenerational trauma. The difference between trauma and intergenerational trauma is that 
Trauma is a response to an overwhelming event that causes you to fear for your life. Fear for your life. That's trauma. Intergenerational trauma is a developmental trauma. That means it's passed down through generations, through the blood. Just like this is a duality of what the Most High does. So the Most High has his chosen people by blood, right? The devil with this narcissistic spirit, he passes the spirit down often through blood. So when you see stuff showing up in your children and in your family, he's trying to imitate what the Most High does. He's trying to be like God, like he said, okay? So that's what intergenerational trauma is. Your child ain't never been abused. Ain't nothing happened. Your child, two and three. How the heck they acting like this? You're like, how? What in the world? Passed down through the blood, through genetics. It's not a game. That's why these family curses and cycles, you want to, you got to make some strong changes if you don't want that showing up in your children. Okay? So, um, yeah. Uh, and so this is the interesting thing. Cause we talked about how Hashitan has spawns and then narcissist has a nymph mother. Statistically more men suffer with MPD up to 75%. So it's often connected to the role of their mother. So it's mostly men and it's mostly black men than any other culture. I mean, does, uh, does somebody paying attention to this? How, how <laughs> listen, often connected to the role of the mother. Look at, uh, who, uh, narcissist's mother was. A nymphomaniac. And how she shaped the child's mindset. So for example, there are many reported cases of mothers who have MPD and they reverse the role of the child care um, or teach manipulative behaviors that the child then imitates. It's a spawn of Hashatan. So that's how a child can end up being like this if it's not corrected. In the line, most mothers with MPD see their favorite child as an extension of their very own self, as opposed to a separate entity. If you have a parent who's a narcissist, you belong to them and they mine. You ain't separate and you can't do nothing separate. You can't do nothing else. You can't have no wife. You can't have no family. You, you, me and you is one. We got an emotionally incestuous relationship. I'm your wife. Don't that sound like the spirit of nymph of the nymph? Listen, I'm telling you, so with daughters, a narcissistic mother can even be envious of them and behave aggressively or cruel over it. So both get it. Sons and daughters are going to get it. Okay. So this is why we need to beware of the narcissist. Why do you need, I mean, if <laughs> listen, if you ain't got it by now, I'm going to help you really get it. First of all, again, we talked about what beware means. Keep watch, protect, save your life, put a hedge about, save yourself. Okay, save yourself. The reason why you want to know about these things is because it kills. And by kill, I don't mean it's always bloody murder. Okay, um, kill, the cause of death is not just um, murder or bloodshed with a knife. It's anything that causes death by putting an end to it or ruining it. A person can ruin you. Uh, put an end to your, your life cause the failure of you, cause the defeat of you. They're killing you. So we got to go beyond the surface. Somebody doesn't just kill you with a knife. They kill you by causing you to fail. 
Because now you're missing the mark of Yah. And when you miss the mark of Yah, what happens when you come before him? You end up not with him. That's death. They cause you to be defeated in life. You're constantly defeated. They're killing your soul. They put you to an end. Who you are and what your purpose is, it comes to an end. You can't be who you are. They ruin you from the inside out. That is death. That's what this spirit is doing, okay? Who does this remind you of? John 10, 10. This is a battle between these two spirits, okay? Because you got a spirit that's on your side if you're a repentant person. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. He come to what? Steal. Steal your purpose. Steal your sanity. Steal and kill you. Take you, take you out. Destroy. That's what this spirit does. This is the father of it. And then it has spawns. It's not a joke. Y'all says, I came that they may have life and have life more abundantly. Okay. To the full until it overflows. So anybody who doesn't bring that to your life, that's of another spirit. And we're going to talk about how to deal with it depending on where they, this person is on the spectrum. Okay. Cause some believe you can never be healed from narcissism. Um, and some believe some say, no, I seen it. Well, they wasn't a narcissist. Some people you don't know, you know what I mean? You have to be clinically diagnosed for the most part, um, outside of the spiritual issue. But I know I, I am testimony. I've been in a relationship with five narcissists and one of them is, it's not the case for them. It depends where they are on the spectrum. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But, uh, I'll strongly advise you not to play with it though. Don't be like, okay, good. All right, good. It's, it's hope. So I'm going to still deal with such and such. No, if they're in a reprobate state, you need to run. If they're in such a strong state of delusion and unrepentance and perversion, you need to run. Okay. Okay. Why do you need to know the symptoms? Because if you know the symptoms that we're going to talk about in this series, it can break the intergenerational cycle. It can break the intergenerational cycle and move you to an understanding that can heal you first. I think about the narcissist first. Okay. Because they're abusing you. You got to protect your, it says like beware, it says protect yourself, save yourself first, save yourself first. Okay. And then see what y'all will have you do. But if you, especially when it comes to family and you, if you have children, when you know these symptoms, you can break the intergenerational curse that the enemy is moving this spirit through. And you can give, you can get some understanding that heals you and your soul and your family and your children. Okay. It can heal the roots of trauma that come from way back in our earliest interactions. Some of this stuff, y'all, before we was born, we was born into it. We was born into it. It's intergenerational. It was running through the blood. Okay. You might be a great parent and you see stuff showing up in your child. It's because that's the spirit from maybe your parent showing up in them, but you can heal it. When you know this information that we're going to go through in this um, series, you can also hear the heal the programming. Okay. Where most people were programmed not to blame, uh, their parents or caregivers. Most, I'm sorry, excuse me. Most, not where most, most people are programmed 
programmed, groomed not to blame their parents or caregivers, especially if they survived quote unquote childhood. You survived. I survived it. You know, a survivor is way different than um, somebody who's thriving. Just because you survived it doesn't mean they did a good job as a parent. But you're groomed and you're trained, especially by a narcissistic parent, to think they just did the ultimate job for you. Neglected you, got you all messed up and abused, but let them tell it. They they made you the best person out there. No, they didn't. That's the spirit lying, living in delusion. So you can heal the programming um, that causes a person to ignore red flags as an attempt to save a relationship they were groomed to believe is like breath for life. You start bringing this up to somebody with a parent who has a narcissist, they feel like they're going to die without that parent because the parent groomed them to be that way. That's what the devil does. You can't live without me. It's not spoken. Some of them do speak it. Um, It's not usually spoken, but they, they act like that. You can live without your mother and you can live without your father if they possess this demonic spirit. You can. Y'all said, I came to give you life, not death. So anybody that's telling you you're going to die without me and they ain't y'all, that's the spirit of the devil. Any man or woman who you're in romantic relationships and you're going to die without me, y'all said, I came to give you life. Why are you saying you're going to give me death? Pay attention to what people are saying to you. It can also heal denial, which gives you blinders. And if you come up through this type of intergenerational trauma, or a person has, that has narcissism is, has come up through this intergenerational trauma, they're, they're in a lot of denial and they're blind in many areas. They cannot see. They've been groomed to see lies. So you tell them things and it's like you speak into a wall because they've been groomed that way by that spirit that, that is at work in the parent. Okay? But when we know these things, we can heal our own selves. We can heal, help other people heal And then they can see their childhood, their parents, their family, their caregivers, whoever, for what it truly is and was. You don't have to lie no more about what your childhood was like. You don't have to lie no more about what your relationship with them was like. You don't have to pretend anymore. When you heal the denial and the blinders, you can tell the truth. You can say what it was, what your childhood really was. You don't, you know. Telling the truth about what happened to you as a child is not hating your parents. It's your truth. You have the right to your own truth. Anybody that wants you to hide that, that's not love. What we say, love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. Right? If that's what happened, we should be able to admit that. If you repent, I can love you and we can move on. But a narcissist, they're unrepentant. They can't repent. So they don't want you to tell the truth about what a childhood was really like. And then they put the child, uh, even an adult child, through such destruction because they're just trying to live in their truth. It's really, really sad. So these are some terms that we're going to deal with. Some of the terms that you'll learn on this journey, this eight-week journey, is NPD, which stands for Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Covert Narcissist, which is very different than an overt narcissist. So you might read a list of a narcissist and be like, I thought they was a narcissist, but they don't do none of this. Because there's a difference between an overt narcissist and a covert narcissist. An overt narcissist is overt in your face. It's clear. A covert narcissist is on the sneak. You don't see them that clear. They're sweet. They're kind. They're lovable. They're gentle. And they're a whole narcissist. They're different. 
So we're going to learn about that. Narcissistic supply. What is that? That's what narcissists eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Supply. And it's you. Love bombing. Golden child. Uh, these are the things that happen in the family. Parentification. Enmeshment. Uh, emotional incest. Codependency. Breadcrumbing. Cognitive dissonance. Scapegoat. Flying monkeys. Smear campaign. Triangulation. CPTSD. Gray, gray rock. No contact and more. So we'll learn about all these things so that you can understand what's happening to you. If you feel miserable and destroyed and the enemy is stealing, killing and destroying your peace and your sanity. Um, this is probably what's going on with you. Uh, most likely it's this, this spirit right here at work and there are different stages to this. Um, there are different, like the love bombing starts off in uh, romantic relationships, but also in family relationships and the golden child and the parentification happens in usually in childhood. Enmeshment happens in adulthood too, but usually in childhood. Emotional incest is when parents, it's like the parent is in relationship with their child. Like they married to one another. How many times you hear a black man who's at the top of the list for narcissism um, say, I got to get a house with my mother. What's the first thing you're going to do with your money? Get a house with my mother. And they got a whole wife and children, but they, they got to take care of their mom first. That's the spirit at work. That man is, he, he needs some healing because you should never be saying that as your first instinct, but that's emotional incest. That's what that will make you do. It'll make you feel like you're married to your parent because they groomed you that way. The codependency is what creates how you are later on in life, in older relationships, how they keep you pulled in is the breadcrumbing. We're going to get into all of this. Okay. Here's your assignment. Cause I got to go. I was on here longer than I thought I needed to be. Here's your assignment. If you're taking this to heart. If you want to see healing in your life, you have to do more than just listen to this. You can't just listen to this and do nothing, okay? If you really want healing in your life from a person who is a narcissist in your life, or say you're a narcissist, most narcissists won't watch this. They can't stomach it. They can't take it to the end. But if you're on the milder spectrum, maybe you can. I want you to think back to your childhood. Take a screenshot of this page right here. What did their or you're a caregiver, tell them or you to do. So the person that you feel like is a narcissist, you, narcissist, you've been in conversation with them. What did they tell you that the caregiver often told them they need to one, see that wasn't true or avoid see, seeing that was actually there? What did their parent tell them? If you've been in a romantic relationship, you were, it's a friend or a coworker, you wanna start try to start um, mediating some healing. I ain't gonna say mediating because some of y'all ain't equipped with that. If you want to have a more healing experience with them, I'll say that, um, an eye-opening experience with them, ask them, what was it like when you grew up? Did your parents ever tell you something um, to accept something as a truth that wasn't true? Did they tell you to see something that wasn't actually there or avoid seeing something that was there? So for example, um, did they tell you that all men cheat? So they told you to see something that wasn't there. There's no faithfulness there. There's no loyalty in marriage. It can never be. That's what they told you to see. They told you to see something that wasn't true. All men do not cheat. That's not true. But if you grow up with that in your mind, how can you ever have a healing, successful relationship? So start working on that list for the person that you're thinking is a narcissist, but also for yourself. I'm not saying that you're a narcissist, but when you come to terms with these things, you can see it better in other people who may hurt you. So you can stop trying to do things with a narcissist that, that don't work. 
So at those are the two things in childhood, the care and I say caregiver because everybody wasn't raised by their mother, their mother or their father. Um, did they ask you to see something that wasn't actually true or avoid seeing something that was true? Did they tell you, um, no, uh, your, your, your uncle ain't touch you like that. No, he did. He taught, he molested. No, he didn't avoid seeing what was that. That's what did. No, you, he did write that list. Um, and then three, what does it have to do with your current emotional and spiritual health today? How, how do you think that shapes your thinking and your relationships? What do you think that has to do with that? Ask that person to consider those things. So I hope you took a screenshot of that. If not, you can rewind it. And I've been on here talking for an hour and 30 minutes. So let me get one little quick break and I will be right back. Those thoughts are way too heavy to carry in your mind. Put it in a journal like this one. I made it so easy for you to do. You can release your true feelings, resolve negative defeatist thinking, and talk to the Most High in the section for daily petition. Congratulations on making your self-care a priority with this purchase of my Truth Tribe Daily Journal, helping you maintain your self-care in three simple steps. Okay, so that was, we're laying, we just laid the foundation for narcissism. That is why you need to beware. If that don't give you cause for alarm or concern, I don't know what will. You might be in such a strong state of denial, you might, you might need to watch my video on denial. And I'll go back and link it in the description of this video. Um, you may just not want to see what is actually there. But if you're rolling with us and you're ready, we're going to get into the rest of the series with seven more videos about narcissism to um, help save your soul and your life. So please share this with somebody because a narcissist will kill you. They can physically kill you, an overt narcissist, or often people think malignant narcissists, which I'm not really going to get into. I'm just going to keep the two classifications of overt and covert because we could just go into a whole other realm. But a malignant one, they say will kill you, they'll murder you, um, like physically, like with a knife and a gun. Um, poison you, all kind of stuff. It's crazy. Um, but the other types is usually an emotional death. They'll make you so sick on your nervous system or just your emotional health. Um, you can lose your sanity. You can um, start to develop diseases and you end up dying and your soul can even die. You can even get separated from the most high. Um, why is this leaning? Because this person is so toxic. It makes you even question your very own relationship with the most high. It's really, really... Um, it's really sick, y'all. It's not a game. I hope this blessed you. I would love to look at the comments, especially since um, I haven't been in a, on a live in a while. But I'll have to go back and look at them later and just thank y'all silently in my head because I can't respond inside the live chat. Um, or you can just leave me another comment on the outside of the live chat and I'll try to, you know, say hey. Other than, excuse me, other than that, um, I'll be back next Wednesday with uh, part two to finish dealing with narcissism. Thank y'all so much for showing up. Please share this with somebody, y'all, because um, one of the things that being in a relationship with a narcissist causes is a severe loneliness. You're so isolated and you feel like you can't tell nobody what you're in. Um, so people that deal with, especially romantically, but even family relationships, they've been groomed to think that they're betraying the person um, that's abusing them if they tell. 
It's a six, six spirit. So share it with somebody. So, because they might not understand like what they're in. They may not understand like what's going on. And I know when I first found out what was happening to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it is. Like, oh, it is. It was so liberating and life-saving for me. So please share this. You never know what people are going through. Some of the most lovable, likable people are narcissists. So you're like, well, such and such don't need that because he cool. You don't know. You don't know. So I hope that you share it. Thank y'all so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Peace, truth, drive. They always told me love's supposed to suffer long. I looked it up in the lexicon. It said that suffering actually means the act of being patient. Have I been patient with you? And who is to decide when long is long enough? And what do I do when I feel I've had enough?